The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. So I had these grandiose plans for the 50th recording of the pandemic series. And it's not happening that way. Wanted to tape episode 50 of version 2 of like this this lot run of or this era of the podcast. But it's Labor Day. It's Labor Day weekend and we really didn't have time to put anything together. So we just decided to make the 50th recording of the pandemic series just a simple chat. Another space heater chat. The big issue with trying to record a regular episode tonight was, well, yeah, it it is the Labor Day long weekend. We are taping this on Saturday evening, September 4th, 2021. But James is not available. He's being kept busy again. We mentioned it last week in the when he was around for a space heater, Kevin, well, he's at least here, but he's also having dinner at the same time while preparing for a couple days at the cottage. I wouldn't be so shocked if James is doing that too. First ever cottage too. For you. Okay. Yeah. Cause normally I'm not a cottage person, but mm-hmm. I decided to give this one a shot. Do you, drop the, do you want to drop the address so we can come meet you? <laughs> want to drive three hours to Halliburton? Sure. Cool. Well, well, like, is it friends, family? What? It's friends. Okay. Cool. Enjoy. Uh, much to my sister's chagrin, uh, she went on a cottage trip with like a cousin and I think one or two of their friends, and I turned it down. Hmm. I wanted place. some peace and quiet with. One of the kids gone, that's why. <laughs> well, there you go. And it was also because I just didn't really want to go to a cottage. Because honestly, the thought of going three hours somewhere to relax is normally not appealing to me. It's well, sure, sure, you, you'll, after a three-hour drive, uh, you, you, you'll want to relax. And... I have to drive because of my work circumstances, so I'm not looking forward to that. Drive because of your work circumstances? Because of the checkout time of the trip. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to to purposely take time off because of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. I think I get it. Yeah. Timeshare? Is this like uh, a timeshare? Rent? What? We're renting. Uh, okay. I, what does timeshare even mean? I never understood what that meant. I'll be it honest. Means, it means you own a, t- a piece. You own something for a set amount of time. You're sharing the time of a location or something. I'm pretty sure it has to do with sharing of time. How does that, with- how does that make any difference from renting? No, because like- see, see, renting is where you rent something but time sharing is when you share that time 
Share that time with what? With who? Other timeshares. With, uh, with other fellow owners or something to that effect. I've never... Um, oh, wait, so, so if I was timesharing with someone, then the owner of the residence would actually be there. Or you could schedule that out, I guess. I mean, it's 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 kind of like Airbnb, but like... That is permanent. what Airbnb is. <laughs> well, that's it what Airbnb is. originally was meant to be. I, I think I think time sharing might have been like a generation before us. We are yeah, that last generation. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I I'm of an older vintage. Oh yeah, myself. Mike Mike aside, but yeah, it's like it's like those are faxes, you know, like like that's that that's another generation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I I'm I'm looking forward to it, sort of. Sort of. We'll no see. Way. It's just because I just don't like I don't like getting there. I don't like spending three hours there, three hours back, like commuting, doing nothing. That's why I. That's why I didn't go to the movies with like Mo and James that one time because oh I yeah, well, yeah go well, the adventure to London yeah yeah because well, how, the thought of uh, uh, last year or yeah, how long was it for? We're staying for, I think, a few days, uh, like three or four. I don't remember the exact. Have you tried not driving? Sorry? Have you tried not driving? Maybe someone else drives? No, it's because I'm leaving the night before. Oh, the night before. Because, because he has to work. Because okay. otherwise, I would hate to drive. I would have just rather p- pitch gas money yeah. or even like an offer to drive part of the way, but I would refuse to drive. like. Not refuse, but I would otherwise not like to drive the entire time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And put the mileage on my vehicle, too. Well, well, well. All right, so here, all right, well, enough of the uh, talk on the, uh, well, just enjoy the trip, okay? Just make sure you pack and get some sleep before the you take on the drive. Yeah, I think it'll turn out okay. Or at least I all hope right. it'll turn out okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there's that. Okay, as you can hear, Moe's around. Hey guys, Jeff. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, hey. right. We were about to say. I was about to say Jeff will join us a bit later on. Well, oh, did, probably, did you just start? We just really started. So yeah, welcome <laughs> aboard. Um, that was impeccable timing. Yeah, Unbelievable. Timing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, really, it was just my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, well, you get back to eating your dinner. <laughs> okay, so. As I said, we want to do something this evening just for for both of our listeners' enjoyment. Hey, hey, I'm pretty sure we're up to four now. Oh, maybe. Just something to put out there. And yeah, this is, uh, jokingly, yes, this is a the 50th, I think the 50th recording of the uh, Pandemic series, but it's not episode 50 of version two. But that's okay. That's okay. But I do want all hands on deck for uh, when we actually do episode 50, and then we'll talk a few more headlines, anime-wise. Not that we'll, we won't bring up something anim- anime current events-wise here, but I know we all wanted to gather this evening, and it's almost it's fairly tangential. We, we're going to admit it right away. But all four of us earlier today watched... Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And I think we all have a lot of thoughts about having watched it. Now, uh, for context, um, Mo 
invited myself and Kevin. We went to see it here in the West End of Toronto on Queens on Queensway, if you know where that is. Yo, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to interject real quick because this is like kind of grinding my gears about this. Uh, Queensway, or all theaters in general, fix your washrooms. Please, for the love of God, fix your washrooms. I tried to wash my hands in there, and they had that stupid push button thing where the water spits for like five seconds. And they're like, no, giant sign, wash for 20 20 seconds. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> Queensway, do better. I just stick with the hand sanitizer. Thank you. And, and keep it short. And they still want you to buy concessions after all that. Okay. Well, Jeff, where do you stick? They got to make oh. them peace. Yeah, they got yeah, to they, they make something. Okay, Jeff, where'd you I, see it? I saw it at uh, Eglinton uh, Town Center, which isn't a mall. Um, it's just the theater, uh, at Eglinton and pharmacy. Okay. So, and let's, uh, let's wrap up, uh, just a quick, sh- not that he's going to listen, but a quick, uh, let's wrap that star because he's, he's a local boy. Simu Lu is from Mississauga. And this probably is his breakout role without a doubt. Good old local boy as Don Cherry would put it. Yeah. Don Cherry. Yeah. Where's he been lately? Okay. Oh. Impressions. It, like we I think we can like there's a bunch of way, ways we can tackle this. We could take we could take on the the representation line. We can go to that a little bit later. But uh, we could take on okay, what does, how does this uh, set up the next the plot line of I think it's stage 4 of the MCU. Let's where do you want to start? I mean, how about we just off the top before we get into like spoilers and the rest of it, you know, a rating out of five for each of us, and then we we discuss more. Okay, Jeff, what do you got? I don't know. Like it's it's for me, it's really tricky because I liked I liked pretty much everything about the movie except the pacing and. Pacing is an important part of the movie, but it's it's such sort of an ethereal or ephemeral part of the movie. So, like, I think I'd give it four out of five, but that one loss is kind of a big loss to me. Like that one star removed out of five is a a big one. Mm. I'm 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 with you on the four out of five. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards four and a half. Like, it's a really good movie. Like, I I, I personally really enjoyed it. Kevin, what about you, man? If I was to rate it just purely based on enjoyment, I would give it a solid four. If I was to look at it more critically, I'd say three and a half. Three, For a reason. Half. Like, just quickly, uh, what, re- what reason? We can delve into it after. Um, oh, well, we can talk about it after. Okay, just uh, somewhere between three and a half to four. And I, I'd be in the more of the four range, but it, it, it would be strictly, it would be almost solely on the enter on was I entertained? I, I mean, remember, with me, it's really hard. I can't really get into real specifics. It's more of a case of I can only tell you if I can, if it's watchable. I can tell you, um, like, remember how I say I only bring up something. If I'm able to go through an entire series, which meant if I can get through it, it meant that I can at least recommend it. And boy, did we get through it straight to the yeah. double end credits. Well, yeah, we, we sat through the whole, well, that's an MCU thing. 
that's an MCU ploy. And that's, you know, out of, out of sheer enjoyment, yeah, it, it was a tour de force. I see Jeff's point on the pacing, I think, because there was points it kind of, like, felt... Like, it felt like a, it felt it had a rush feel to it. But then maybe this is just the feeling I have with movies, how the plot line just moves forward. So sometimes it feels like it's rushed. But maybe, as I said, it's just maybe that's just me now with the way I watch movies. I, I'm not, I, I will not try to claim how good I am cr- about looking at things critically because sometimes I don't always know what it means. I just love to talk about it. But things always things did stick out to me about it, but it's more it's less on plot points and more about okay the bigger picture, and I think that's what we're and I I know that'll probably dominate a lot of this discussion. So, okay, what what angle do you want to go with? What angle do we want to start with? Do you want to come back to see Mulu again himself? Should we give a spoiler warning first? Oh, I'll put that in the in the show notes too. <laughs> no, we, we should do a verbal spoiler warning as well. So, hey guys, so, spoiler warning. <laughs> so, so if you have here. not seen this film and do care about being spoiled, I would stop listening right now and come back at a later date. Well, yeah, which which means we may lose our single listener. <laughs> um, Mike, we have like ten viewers or listeners. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, as I said, I I I, th- I think of this more in a historical context, though. So, like, with, let's, let's talk about the movie itself, I guess. The starters. Well, I was just gonna say, like, with the the lead, um, I think that the entire cast of this movie is fairly amazing. Maybe with the exception of Razor Fist, who's kind of a like he's fine. Oh man, you didn't like but, Razor Fist? He was fine, but he's. Not really the. I, 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 he was outclassed in acting by like every other character in the movie, though. Like he doesn't have a whole lot of range of expressions. Uh, I know that's not his character, but like I think even um even Abomination has more facial expressions than that guy does, um, and he's a CGI fish monster. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought that every other like especially main cast member was amazing. Um, like I thought there was a lot of, of great line delivery, um, just a lot of great chemistry, um, between the, the principal cast overall. Um, I thought that all was, was working really well. Okay. Okay. Jeff, you gotta, you gotta answer this question, man. Is is Shang-Chi and Katie or is Sean and Katie a thing or not a thing? That was fascinating because they, they seem to make a point of, it of them sort of not being a thing. Um, and I, I am very curious sort of why that was, because regardless of their, you know, thing status, I did like that we have a movie where, you know, a male and female character start with a relationship. Like it, they didn't have to develop it. It was already a rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I thought that was such a great change of pace of, you know, oh, they're going to flirt. They're going to get to know each other. No, they are close, regardless of if it's friendship or something more. I really loved that they were close from the get-go. Okay, so 
I didn't have that context at first because I missed the first 20 to 25 minutes of the movie. Traffic on the 401. Yatch! John Tory, man, what are you going to do about that? I, I blame John Tory for that. John can't do anything about that, man. Not, not during <laughs> his lifetime, not during his next lifetime either. You know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to blame David Miller for that. <laughs> no, you know, you know who you're supposed to blame? You're supposed to blame. Is it Mel Lastman? Uh, he he didn't help with the Shepherd Stubway, but oh man, but uh, it's um, it's a multitude of people. It's uh, who who was the PC leader during the mid nineties for Ontario? Mike Harris. Mike Harris. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck that asshole. <laughs> Yo, the reason I... why we don't have the Edlinton Subway line now because if it started in the nineties, he didn't fill in that fucking tunnel. It would have. It would have actually been built by now. It would have taken that 20 years. And no. And it still doesn't go to the fucking airport. Like, <laughs> have. I, I remember. It to, and it was supposed to go to the airport. And then the, the dead Ford stopped that too. Fuck him too. I, I remember being in the fifth grade. And Nelson Mandela came to visit. And we're all in the Sky Dome. And Bob Ray was, was our premier. And an entire Sky Dome full of fifth graders booed our premier. <laughs> Because he's just so terrible. Was this during, was this during the uh, one of the Blue Jay celebrations when they won the World Series? I think it was like the nineties. It was no, yeah. 90s. This was this was Nelson's this was just for Nelson Mandela's coming to town. I was I was there too. Oh, um, oh okay. It yeah, it was a, a big deal. I remember. I still remember the song. You know, free Nelson Mandela. Um, <laughs> everyone was chanting that over and over again. I had no idea why people were booing. I had no concept of politics in grade five same here same here all i know is that everyone's booing so i gotta be booing too i'm, I'm sure it was a bunch of teachers started one class booing and then oh, everyone because, just yeah, followed on i think it's i think it's okay a little bit of history i mean he i think by that point bob ray who was and just to context for the, our, our our listeners outside of ontario he was the premier of this province in the early nineties, he was the NDP and premier of this province in the early nineties. So the so even further left of center party. Well, everyone, I guess we all know who the NDP is. But and just a, a quick context, yeah, he he had a falling out with teachers' unions towards the end of his time as as premier. And in the in the subsequent election, uh, a progressive conservative government. That's where Mike Harris eventually came in. Just and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mike Harris is also the reason why we have deregulated tuition in Ontario. And he's also, I believe, his government was involved in the sale of the 407. So yeah, fuck you and your entire family. Yeah, he, he, yeah, there was a lot going there. And the NIMBY and, and, people that live on Spadina that block the stuff, the highway expansion. Yeah, it's your fault too. Oh well, that was that was that was more Bill Davis, and he passed away about a month ago, I believe. I May rot in hell, I guess. Well, <laughs> it, well, it, oh, I wasn't going to go that far. <laughs> and but that was a conservative government as well. And, and 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 if you want to get more topical, Kevin, we we will also say Mike Harris. Um, well, the privatization of long-term care facilities. Oh, really? Yes, that happened on his watch as well. That's, Why that, are uh, all our premiers terrible? So that that's oh. worth noting. 
like uh, as far as like the like the turn for LTCs to become more for profits that happened on uh, at that point as well. Oh, I wasn't aware of this at all. Wow. And he's, and if I remember correctly, Harris sits on the board of Chartwell now, which is one of the major which is one of the major uh, companies behind the behind said long term care facilities. Anyway, wow. Okay. How um, about that Shang Chi and K? No, it's it's an odd dynamic, and the thing is, and now we're going to talk, talk about uh, some of the context. Simu Liu has always wondered about being a romantic lead. He's always, he openly wonders about these type of things, and. Uh, Aquafina herself has never been has always been known to be a sidekick type character in the movie she's been in. I mean, she's in Crazy Rich Asians, and well, we're, we're we haven't given the thought of Aquafina being in a romantic, well, in a romantic uh, relationship. At least any of the characters she's played. So, Timu, oh, you finished, Mike. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna genuinely respond to. Jeff's comments about uh, the dynamic between uh, Simi Liu and Aquafina in the film, and I was very happy that they did not become romantic. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy those setups, but it does get very trite and very predictable when it happens in most films. Because I agree. Like, why? Why does it always have to be that? The main two leads get together. Like it, I feel like it doesn't need to always be like that. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not asexual, but sometimes I think about like, oh, well, like, why does it have to be like this all the time? And I think, yeah, like on that note, I think it would like, like if they are sort of just friends, I think that's great. But I think it would also be an interesting, you know, situation if they were a couple, they just weren't very affectionate. Um, like, I yeah. think that's also an interesting way to go about it. Like, at the end there, they just sort of link arms and walk through the thing. Like, in a very, you know, you could interpret that as chummy or kind of more affectionate. And I, I, and I don't think the ambiguity was obnoxious. I think it was just pleasant. Like, that wasn't what the movie was about. Um, and I thought yeah, that true. they managed I, I that think, really well. I think they were just putting it in the face of their friends. So I, I think it was more, I, I, I interpreted that as oh. more chummy, quite honest. Because an early scene, and this is for Kevin, because they were taught, <laughs> they were drinking with them in, in that, at the beginning of the movie. And okay. they seemed tired of the story that their friend set was telling. I, I, I felt personally attacked at that last, in that early, uh, <laughs> early pit. Why? Okay, well, wait, wait. Why is that? Oh, sorry, Kevin. So, so Kevin missed it, but basically, it was like, "Yo, you're you're thirty something years old, parking cars," and I'm like, "Damn." Oh, that. Yeah. What are you going to do with your life? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. If you I don't would, aim, I was there. I was there as well. I, I would. I feel that. Yeah, it's like yeah, because she, because here we are with two p two professionals who have a seemingly have a direction in life. One one became a lawyer. Uh, we don't know about the other, and then they're questioning those two. They're questioning. Um, they're questioning Shang Chi and Katie about. Okay, what the hell are you doing with your life? You're well educated because um, Katie apparently has like a, ma- a couple masters. Yep. And and and, Shang- and Sean or Shang Chi, <laughs> he's he seems to be doing okay too. 
I mean, yo, he's they, four, he, he they speaks are, four languages. Yeah, he can speak four languages. That's the, that was the, the exact line, actually. And, and knows and how to murder are, a man with his pinky. That, that, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they they just. Uh, and, but here they are, just wait, seemingly waddling their life away as valets, as you know, car valets. You know, I would say the ambiguity of the affectionate of how affectionate they were at the end did irritate me a little bit because I interpreted it as more of like they it did have that more romantic feel to me at first viewing although when I think about it now I'm like yeah you know what it's fine like it's that's just my view right it, it, people can interpret it differently and didn't necessarily seem it could be interpreted as not that romantic or not very romantic and just being like playful with each other um, I was telling Mohammed at the end of the movie how uh, the last movie that I recalled a similar dynamic was Pacific Rim. Mm. Well, yep. I've yep. never seen, but okay. Because the the two leads, I think they did meet. Like they didn't know each other and they met, right? But you know, they went through difficult battles together and. Uh, the the end scene of them like in the water like and they're like you know they did the deed not did the deed that's very <laughs> they uh, they, like they did they defeated the the monsters or the kaiju or whatever they were called I forgot what they were called it's been so long kaiju. and then and they all oh, was okay and then and then they like they just see each other and they hug each other but then it didn't. To me, I didn't interpret that as like, oh man, like I'm, I love you. It was more like, holy crap, thank God we made it out of this alive, and that we're still, like, we're still here on this earth. Plus, you know, they were they were like adoptive siblings, so you know that's that's something. Hmm. It's just I was like, I was like, hey, they didn't get together, and that's okay. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's just I don't come away thinking, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent as to what their status is. Because I mean, what, what was it wasn't the point of the movie anyway. Oh, no, uh, I, and for for me personally, just that they dropped a lot of hints throughout the movie, like with the grandmother and you know the the, the cage fighting Macau and stuff. Obviously, I mean, everyone wants that to be exactly. Good. And I I I, I appreciate that they didn't get together at the end. I appreciate that that they were just platonic friends but then at the same time you gotta think of it from sean's point of view he's 15 years old who's lived in a compound his entire life never been to america gets to america and the first person he sees is just you know katie and that's that's you know <laughs> yeah yeah that context that part of the context okay where do you want um okay now that we've talked about uh the ambiguity of shang chi and or sean and uh katie where do you want to go next Tony Lau? Tony Lung? Oh, as uh, as Mandarin? I mean, how do you guys feel about his performance? I, I, I personally liked it. What took so long for him he's to... He's the dad, uh, right? Yep, he's the, the dad. dad yeah. Yeah. The, man, the Mandarin. Mandarin, or Zhu Wenwu. Wenwu. Dude, that, that, that dinner scene? Amazing. Just amazing. Oh, yeah, when they all had dinner at the... Um, American girl, what's your name? Oh yeah. That was, oh, yeah. that was an amazingly tense but well done scene. I agree. I liked how that played out. Yeah, that was amazingly tense. 
great uh, expression on Katie, like with the kind of uncertainty about like telling what? him her her Chinese name. Um, there's just great subtlety and sort of she looked nervous before she said what it was. Like you could tell that this wasn't something that you know she shared too often. Um, and then the you know his his speech afterwards about the power of names, and then you know making the reference to the. Iron Man, uh, Mandarin. Um, I thought I thought that was that was really well done. Mm-hmm. To to be honest, the thing I really liked about the movie was that the minimal amount of MCU references. Um, you could cut like twenty minutes of the whole movie, and you would never know it's an MCU movie. Like it's it that's it's good. I I really enjoyed that. Twenty minutes. I I thought there was virtually other than. The guy from Doctor Strange being in the cage match, like I would have thought, like only the last like five minutes. Otherwise, you wouldn't have known it was an MCU movie. I'm, well, I'm being, I, I'm I being think, generous. <laughs> well, okay, but to be fair, like we have the um, Wong versus Abomination, which was you know MCU slash Marvel reference, um, you know, porn almost. Like, look, it's Hulk villain and Doctor Strange uh, sidekick. They're fighting, um, and then. There is like a throwaway line about oh half the world could disappear in a second, um, but I do feel that because of um, what's his name Terry, um, uh, the the false Mandarin uh, from Iron Man Two, Trevor um, Slattery, Trevor, that's it. Um, I think because Trevor is such a big part of the movie and his entire backstory is being the false Mandarin. Um, I think that's a pretty big connection to the MCU. That was actually, and I, I never saw Iron Man two, and but I, re- I, I read about that and how they kind of connected that. To, to be, to and be I fair, that was really, really creative. To be fair, you could replace Ben Kingsley with Morris, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I liked, I liked their dynamic. Um, oh, that man. was like, I Morris feel is great. <laughs> Morris. Morris, in a very small way, stole the show. At least, at least Morris was a, a scene stealer. Mm-hmm. Okay, since you just brought it up, I you uh, the whole. I wouldn't have known this is an MCU movie. This is stage four, so let's talk about this. And I want to talk a little bit about this in terms of the broader picture, in terms of MCU itself. Like this, it was what. This was the reset moment in many ways, right? Yeah, because this is this is the first sort of set in the current day phase four movie because we had Black Widow, but that was mostly a prequel. Um, so you know, this movie is kind of it. It will be setting the stage for what's to come, and I think they've they've said at least pre-pandemic. They said that there will not be an Avengers movie in Phase Four. Um, I wonder if a desperation to get people back in the movie theaters will change this, and they will change one of their last uh, slotted movies to become an Avengers um, or something theoretically big enough uh, to get people into seats. Um, but I think uh, after this, is it Eternals and then Spider Man? Believe so. Yep, it turns out Spider Man. Those are the next yeah. couple movies in within that. So, I mean, honestly, the movie felt like like Ant Man or Doctor Strange in a sense, where it's like, 
a solo movie that, you know, is eventually going to be part of the Avengers. Sometimes there's a tie-in in there, but as a standalone movie, it's pretty good. Yeah, and, and I think, well, Wong kind of hinted there, uh, hinted to Shang-Chi at the end there. Okay, you're, this is going to happen to you. Like, right? Like, be ready. Be ready for what happens next. So I, I think like it, it very much sets the stage for what happens next in state within stage four. But, but happens, what happens but, next is Eternals, which I feel well, is going to be very unconnected. I mean, it, it doesn't yeah, have well, to be. Well, maybe this is part of the mo for the for the various movies within mm. for a lot of the key movies. They're, they're they can they are can be meant to be watched sta- fairly standalone, but. And 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 Kevin, we had this discussion earlier in Wendy at Wendy's too, right? When after because afterwards we went to went for a frosty, and you hinted to me, uh, and okay, this is this would have been a bullet tonight if we uh, taught uh, we were doing a regular episode. Um, One piece could be fate, could now be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of its story, but as as they're doing the rest of the story, the author and his name escapes me at the moment. Oda. For one piece, okay, yeah, he's he's hint he's putting he's dropping hints about past events earlier on in the manga series. Not it doesn't necessarily they're not necessarily plot points, but they end up being sort of Easter eggs to the readers, especially longtime readers, and uh, and in a roundabout way, that's sort of how I can sort of see how. Phase four of the MCU will develop. There'll be hints about events that have happened in the past or could let later happen, but it's not meant to be a plot twist in the movie within the movie itself. So this is sort of how I'm beginning to sort of see um, how I think the MCU, as as it is now, will develop. Starting with uh, Spider Man. They are going to at least put some focus on uh, the multiverse um, because the next Doctor Strange movie is called the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if the um, you know what they were talking about at the end with um, Bruce Banner and um, uh, Miss uh, Captain Marvel, uh, you know the you know. Uh, you know, uh, Captain Marvel was saying, oh, well, it's not from space. And, you know, they're saying, well, it's not from here. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're doing something about, you know, multiverse. I mean, the, um, you know, Shang-Chi's uh, mother was already from a different dimension. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of, of leading up into that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking that that might have... Um, at least something in play there. It wouldn't surprise me if Shang-Chi is in uh, Doctor Strange uh, 2, I guess it would be. Um, but as far as direction, that's I'm, I'm thinking that's where they're going, and I'm okay. curious to see how much of this movie will lead into that. So who will be the, uh, like the centerpiece character within this Phase 4? I mean, it was clear Iron Man... Captain America were the key figures in previous phases, and with them, no, really not in the picture anymore. Is it Doctor Strange? 
I mean, Spider-Man, I guess, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, Thor has a new movie, Black Panther has a new movie. It's and Black Panther. We'll be, I'll be interested to see that in light of Chadwick Boseman's uh, passing and how they handle that. Not much has been hinted to concerning that, as far as I can tell. I mean, other than they're, they're making a movie. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact of its existence, and yeah, they'll they'll deal with that. They'll deal with uh, with uh, Bozeman's death. I hope they don't do. I hope they don't do anything stupid like CGI him or something, or like I holograms think, or something. I, I don't it, think they'll do that. I think this is sister. Because that'd be kind of dumb, right? We no, they don't want to. They don't. Like, there's no nothing like that. I don't foresee anything like that. But they have to. But they will find a way to acknowledge it. I don't know okay. if there'll be a, a equivalent of Iron Man in Phase Four. Um, I think maybe by Phase Five we might uh, have something, but I think Phase Four is going to be um, like there will be a lot of connecting threads. But I don't think we'll necessarily um, Come have to like a leading a leading man or, or like leading a, woman, a central a central figure within it. Yeah, like I can't see an individual. Like I think that all the movies are set up to be really strong. Um, and I think, as Mo said, I think if it's anyone, it's going to be Spider-Man, but that's just marketability. Um, he's Or, or if know, Sony throws a fit, you know. Yeah, well, you know, the Sony <laughs> well, that's thing entirely, is complicated. Like, yeah, I, I, that, that's easily what makes it complicated. I, I, I put my money on Doctor Strange in that sense, but you brought up a point, and, it, and I think putting a central figure in, in this phase... May actually undo what uh, everything we just talked about. The whole, you know, the whole standalone feel of the individual movies. Exactly. Exactly. I just want good movies, guys. I mean, just you know, no more Black Widow nonsense. Just make good movies, guys. <laughs> what happened with Black Widow? Eh. Well. we'll uh, no, I actually because I actually don't know. That's why. Oh no, 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 no! It's, to make it's, a joke. It's okay. It's not bad or anything. It's just you know. Eh. Yeah. Are we talking about the plot or are we talking about the? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Jeff, or, you, you watched Black Widow, right? Yeah. So I mean, is is eh a response good enough, or should I think deep into no, it? No, I I think that's I think that's actually kind of a fine response. Like it was a good movie. It just it felt like. Bad timing, I guess. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, now you're alluding to the thing that happened with, uh, what's her face? Jennifer Scarlett Brent, Johansson? Or, I don't remember, or Scarlett Johansson? I think it was Scarlett Johansson. Well, a, a little bit. Like, not even bad timing as far as the pandemic. I just mean as far as the entire, you know, How cinematic Marvel world. universe. Yeah. If, if that movie had space. come out, like, before Phase 3 or during Phase 3, before Endgame or something, like... I don't know. It's just I, 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 I'd wish they'd come out at a better time, and it didn't. It's, it's whatever. Okay. So Mo and I think to I think everyone to some degree wants these these sort of uh, independent or you know separated movies, but you know after Eternals, we're getting two that are going to be nut filled with you know in Spider Man's case references to the old Sony continuity movies. And in Doctor Strange's case, potentially references to at least um, the Fox uh, movies, or at least the Fox characters, um, as well as probably multiverse stuff. So we're going to get insular, uh, you know, reference factories for at least, uh, we'll get a little break with Eternals, but then at least for two movies, it'll be wacky, 
reference reference is this, uh, parties. Is the Spider-Man movie actually a Disney movie, or because I thought Sony still had the rights for it? It's shipping? It's, oh, Sony. Sony, right? yeah. it's Sony. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I figured because Sony it's will Sony. never fucking let that go <laughs> at this point. No, you're right. But they have integrated it, so you know the Vulture in this continuity is connected to Iron Man. Spider-Man in this continuity is connected to Iron Man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you know there's there's a lot of connections, at least to Iron Man, uh, in the in the Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Gotcha. Okay. And Doctor Strange features prominently in the Spider-Man, um, uh, the upcoming one, Far From Home. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah um, Kevin missed the trailer for that, too. Oh, oh wait, and, and so, so did Mo. He went to the, he, he stepped away. He was out of the theater when much of that trailer. Try to wash on. my hands, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it took uh, more than 20 seconds. I t- okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit more about some of the actual actors in it. And I'll start with a yes, no. As we, and then maybe a bit of a history lesson. Yes or no. Is Shang-Chi going to be Asian's Black Panther moment? He would have. Or do you think that already happened with Crazy Rich Asians? Oh, that's true. That was a good movie. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like if, if the pandemic hadn't happened and this was released when it was intentionally supposed to be released, which was uh, Lunar New Year of this year, and it would have made a billion dollars and been released in China and everyone and their mom would have seen it. I mean, you know, then yes. But now, I don't know, man. It sucks. And I feel I feel bad because it's like, I think they, it's going to be box office expectations, but like 80 million is, is like... It's, it's still, still and it'll be a record for Labor Day. True, but still, I mean, like this movie could have easily made a billion dollars. Like I could have seen this being like a Black Panther billion dollar movie, but you know, pandemic and stuff. Mm. I I do feel like it more or less happened with Crazy Rich Asians, but at the same time, now that Mohammed provided that context, yeah, it's kind of a shame that it came out now rather than earlier given the circumstances, but the circumstances being as they are, what can you do? Jeff? Ignoring sort of the financial success, I do feel that there are some interesting parallels um, with Black Panther, Um, you know, because you have, uh, you know, Shang-Chi as, um, you know, Chinese born, grew up in America, but still, you know, has that, um, and, you know, really raised by traditional China, like not contemporary, like his, his father's a thousand years old and his mother's from a mystical dimension. Um, Mm. but, you know, still having that, that Chinese origin. And then you have Katie, who is very much, um, you know, East Asian American. Um, I love her accent, by the way. Um, her, her voice was one of the highlights of the movie to me. Um, but you know, but, and her pants, let's not forget her pants. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> very, very much, you know, she doesn't, you know, her, she says her Chinese, Chinese is terrible. Um, she's not, you know, she is not really liking her, her disapproving, um, you know, mother. Um, so this very clear, Asian American kind of, I mean, she's not a villain, but kind of in the same way Killmonger is more, you know, 
black American compared to T'Challa's I'm from, you know, Africa, this, you know, uh, Afrofuturistic, uh, you know, city. Um, so a very, you know, big contrast there. Um, and I think you have a lot of, of these, you know, a lot of these characters from Chinese, of Chinese descent that are all very different, like, you know, from, from Wong, uh, to, um, Shang-Chi's, uh, sister, um, uh, to, um, I forget what Michelle Yeoh's character's name was. Yeah, his name. <laughs> the aunt. His name, um, right? Yeah, so, like, we have a lot of different characters represented, uh, kind of very interestingly, uh, with the exception of uh, contemporary mainland China, um, which a lot of thoughts regarding that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I think, because, like, one, of, one thing that I was worried about as far as continuity errors like uh you know like oh they're going to go to china oh well it takes like three months to get a visa how are they going to manage that oh they're going to macau great that without without a application process um but you know even his sister goes to macau and not not beijing or shanghai um but still macau and not you know hong kong which is you know the the problem child um so it's i really fascinating geopolitical stuff going on here that it's it's so steeped in in chinese um culture but very specifically the one weird vegas that china lets happen and ancient chinese culture i mean um i just think it's interesting at least they didn't go to like madripoor or something right if they they got to like a fictional place would that Mm. have been like you know i mean they tried that's something And a lot of the movie does pl- take place in a fictional um, dimension, China dimension. I mean, that um, rainforest uh, was something, man. <laughs> that was impressive. That was a good scene. I've, oh, the, seen the magic bamboo. In, I've seen similar scenes in like old Chinese TV shows, minus the vehicle. But uh, it, it did <laughs> remind me of that, which I thought was pretty cool. And like the whole like Mystic Land thing. Like, I, 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 will, I will say that the meeting of the uh, of of the father and the mother was pretty cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> it it, rem- it reminded me of uh, Tokyo Drift. Uh, the scene what? with Han- sorry, hold on. Let me, let me get to it. Let me get to it. There's a scene. There's a scene in Tokyo Drift where Han is drifting around these girls parked in a car, and he just is like a perfect drift a couple times around, and then by the third time he gets her number, and that's the way they flirt. It's like that, you know? <laughs> oh, God. And I, oh, yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift as well. It's a good movie, guys. It's so underrated. It, it their, is what it then is. They, then they reworked some of its uh, epilogue into the current... Anyway. Okay, I, my answer to the yes and no. It probably should have been crazy like i i it's somewhere in the middle i i have mixed feelings about about the the yes no i just posed should it have been a crazy rich asian should it have been should it be shang chi the thing is to me historically it probably shouldn't have been either we we and my answer would have been almost 30 years back and we see some of the at least one actress from it oh joy luck club joy luck club yeah I've never heard of this film until you told me about it, Mike, earlier mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And and coincidentally, 
Um, at least now, Sai Chin, who plays the who plays Katie's grandmother, is was in Joy Luck Club. Ming Na Wen, Ming Na, who was in who was in um, Agents of Shield, just another another Marvel mm. thing. She was in Joy Luck Club, right? And I I, I almost it felt like. There were at least one, uh, maybe more, but it wasn't. Uh, there weren't any other actresses from that movie, but eight, well, eight not so well known at the time actresses were in Joyla Club in the nineties. I think the most well, the only two most well known from that of the eight at that point might have been Tamil and Tomita. We've talked about her before because she was coming off Karate Kid. She was in that. And Rosalind Chow, who played, who had some roles in the eighties, and culminated, and maybe to more um, contemporary fans, she was in Star Trek. Uh, she was in Star Trek: Next Generation as a uh, as um, Chief O'Brien's wife, Keiko. I uh, think. Yeah, she played Keiko. So those were the two most well uh, of the eight. Probably she was the, those two were the most well known actresses. Because it was like it was four stories of mothers and daughters. Good, it's a it's a really good movie, and people hoped at the time it, it was a turning point for Asian a, Asian actors and actresses in North America, and it never really developed that way. And we'd have to wait, oh, more than like almost twenty five years for it to happen again with Crazy Rich Asians. And and I'll even go further back because the the first. Um, a lot of uh, in this context, people also like to talk about uh, the 1961 movie musical "Flower Drum Song," which had a which was one of, I think one of the first Hollywood movies to feature a predominantly Asian cast, although it played on every single stereotype that would have existed at the time. Mm. So, uh, and, and in their day, there were some well-known actresses, uh, Nancy Kwan, who, well, she, she's, uh, everybody in this was a kind of, uh, stereotyped in a certain way, I guess. But yeah, Nancy Kwan was in it. She was in the dragon and the, the Bruce Lee story. She was in, um, I think Susie Wong. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, the uh, the world is Susie Wong in 1960. Flower Drum Song was 1961. You look at, but you look at her history. I mean, I'm uh, and then Jack Sue, who was in Barney Miller, that was a popular show in the uh, 70s and 80s. Jim Shigeta, he he was he he was he was um, uh, fairly prominent in his day as an Asian actor. And he and I know that he was in Die Hard. He was in Mulan. I think Mulan was one of uh, one of his last roles, a voice in that, mm. or certainly uh, one of his la- later roles. So I, I go down this. Li- I, I look down the cast list of Flower Drum Song. People hoped that was the moment, and then the next chance came thirty years later, and then the chance after that, when we come to Hollywood, happens almost thirty years after that. So, Crazy Rich Asians, maybe you hope is that turning point because at least the gap between Flower Drum Song to Joy Luck Club was 30 years. Joy Luck Club to Crazy Rich Asians was more than almost 25 years. Crazy Rich Asians to Shang-Chi 
was what, three, four years. So that sounds like progress. Is is because I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians. Are are most of the cast Asian American? Uh, of a, Asian American, Asian European. Because uh, Henry uh, Henry Golding, I think his name is. He played the male lead. Yep. Okay. And, he, and he was he's like I think he's he's Brit. He's British. Okay. Good old. Because like I, I, I know it takes place in Singapore, but it seems like most of the characters are from outside of Asia. Yeah, well, it gets interesting because a common a common thread between Crazy Rich Asians and um, and Shang Chi was Michelle Yeoh and Aquafina because they starred in both. Okay, both they were both in, they were both in that. So this was this movie served as kind of a reunion for both, and and this might be an interesting turning. And these two movies might be an interesting turning point for Michelle Yeoh herself because. In the eighties, when she first came on the scene, and she wasn't, she's not, she's not from Hong Kong. I think she's from Malaysia. That sounds and, right. And she, and she, and there's, there's a lot of stories about certain prejudice for, uh, directed towards her as she made her rise in the Hong Kong world. Dude, that opening sequence in Crazy Rich Agents, where she goes to that hotel in London. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then buys the right. hotel because mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't. That was a hilarious it. scene. Oh man, great scene. Uh, anyway, but for her. She was she made her name as an action star initially, and her first exposure to her first initial exposure to the West was both within both a dub of Police Story Three, which was renamed Super Cop, because she 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 co-starred with Jackie Chan in that, and she's co-starred with Jet Li too, by the way, in a Hong Kong movie, and then she was a Bond girl, and in both movies she showed off her martial arts prowess, but in Roughly the last decade, she's shown a lot more of her acting chops, and really, we don't see too many, too much of those action roles. Oh, oh yeah, and let's not forget, she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, also in the in the early aughts. Oh, dude, she was Miss she was Miss Malaysia. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's her. That's her background. And I mostly know her from Star Trek. Yeah, and and she now we also know her from Star Trek, but she but from up until. About ten, less than ten years ago, she was more known as a action star, a martial arts actress. Do you think she's get, she's going to be in the sequel, right? Almost certainly. I I couldn't see why she why she wouldn't be. But the, but Michelle Yeoh, I have to save a name, uh, save something for, and talk quite a lot about her to see how she's evolved as an actress herself. And yeah, I, I, we we brought up Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's not really a Hollywood film. It was a foreign film, really. And it, it, but it got a lot of Hollywood press at the time. But Michelle Yeoh, like like, she's been very much at the forefront of major of major um, movies that has caught the attention in Hollywood. Damn, she's going to be in Avatar two and three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, are those, there's my work happening. Like, I just feel like they've been in production for so long that I just keep on forgetting that they exist. They're waiting out the pandemic like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, more than likely. So there's my there's um, my thought on on Michelle Yeoh herself. And okay, uh, do you want to say something? Or she was kicking ass. Loved yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I, Mo, I, I saw. I, I see the chat. I, 
Go ahead, Kim. What a good, what a good auntie, man. Like in, in Cantonese, <laughs> we would just say like "yi," and was like, "Yes, we have a yi in this series. Nice." <laughs> <laughs> she was great. She was, and she, she, um, she ended up bringing back the, uh, you know, her the the mother's image back to the kids mm-hmm. in many ways, right? Yeah. Like she, she, like, like they were so searching for that, and they knew they would never get it back. But she came in. And while not a substitute, she certainly brought back the memories for that. Mm-hmm. Not right. enough fight scenes with her, man. Should have been more no, fight scenes with her. And Even that would have been interesting more. because, well, first of all, I don't know her like how capable she is at her age now. But we, but her past certainly suggests she could. I would take anything, man. I, would, I, I, I just wanted one more scene. Aside from aside from helping train uh, train uh, Shang Chi, right? Yeah, I meant like an actual like, like a real fight scene, during right? the actual fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mo. I saw you put the words. Uh, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. I will say that entire training montage with Katie it, learning to shoot and stuff. I mean, she matured. Yeah, like that. That was how she matured. And remember when we talked a, a bit about? Well, she was a, um, her and and Shang Chi were aimless in life. She started to find her focus yeah. and probably a little bit more of her calling in that way. Even though we don't know specifically what it is, she feels like she has more purpose. Or she's beginning to find a purpose. I guess for me, because I didn't see the beginning of the film, and so I didn't have that context, it it did feel shoehorned in. Although, at the same time, now that I know that that was the initial setup, I was like, okay, that, that makes sense that they put that in. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it was lampshaded at the end, like she kind of jokes about how she only trained for two days, but was still able to do this amazing thing. Like, I, I liked that little bit of self-awareness. They didn't, like, draw it yeah. out, like it wasn't, like, being too mean-spirited about it. They still <laughs> let her have her her development and that impact. But they did say, okay, yeah, it was a pretty short amount of time. Um, but, oh man, even though it was a short amount of time, I still did this awesome thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's cool. I agree. I, I did notice that too. I was like, <laughs> in my head when that scene mm-hmm. happened at the end. Yeah. Okay. All right. Before I, uh, we go and the other person I want to talk about in this whole, con- okay. Whole context. Were, were, were you done with the, you aim at nothing, you hit nothing line, uh, Mo? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great line too. It, it was a good line. A very good line. Very good line. Uh, I want to save a word for Tony Lung as well. Who played, uh, well, Played the father. Played the shit out of that role, man. Played it good. And in many respects to me, what took so long for him to make an appearance in a Hollywood film? Mm. Because he, at his peak in the 80s and 90s, he, especially in the 90s, he would have been on the same level as someone like Chow Yun-Fat. I see. Like he was, he in his day, he was big, right? Like in his day, he was big. He wasn't. He 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 was in a handful of um, John Woo films. He was in Hard Boiled. He was in. He was Bullet in to the head. Bullet to the Head. Yeah. So he's a like a Hong Kong martial arts actor then. He, I, the martial arts part really doesn't stick out to me as much. I see, but he was certainly in action stuff. Guys. Think of him ah. as like, 
think of him as like a James Bond type character, you know, very smooth, very suave. Mm, yeah. Okay. He was in he was in like one of the Chinese ghost story sequels. I I I, I wouldn't have been shocked if he was in the first one, but I had to double check. No, he was in a third he was in the third one, which and the Chinese ghost story um trilogy is one of the great trilogies in Hong Kong cinema. I feel like maybe I could have came across him in whatever random Chinese movie that would play on Omni or whichever movie that my dad would rent from that random tape shop in Chinatown in Toronto. But <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you what those movies would be. He just feels like he would be in movies like that. Well, he was in, like, he was in, he was in, um, he was in, well, you remember the 2006 film The Departed? I regrettably did not watch Infernal Affairs. Uh, that that's based in Hong Kong. Affairs. I didn't watch Hong Kong. them. Yeah, and that's what we're about to say is it's based on a Hong Kong movie. He was he, and Lung starred in that. Oh, he was, oh. A, he, he, was, he was in Internal Affairs. Oh, okay. So that's that's like yeah, it's entirely possible. So I, you look uh, you look on his um you look at his resume you look at his. Uh, you look at his filmography, you look at a picture of his wife, who's a Hong Kong legend herself. Because Karina Lau is is there too. It, it is worth mentioning. That's another story altogether. Oh, she sounds vaguely familiar. Now Karina Lau? Yeah. yeah his, well, he like there's there's one of your great uh, Hong Kong power couples, right? Ah. Uh. There's there's uh, one of the great Hong Kong power couples right there. Yeah, I so, would imagine my mom or my sister would know who she is. Mm-hmm. But we can go. I can go on and on. It's just it, it's sort of amazing. It took as long as it did for him for him to eventually show up on North American shores. I would and give I kudos would, to. It would have been. Huh? I would give kudos to Disney's casting. Yeah, I mean, I mean when you when you think about it, like I, you look at the the Hong Kong actors that did come in the last twenty years to at least do dabble in Hollywood. Jackie Chan kind of started that up mm-hmm. in the 90s then you then you ended up with chow yun fad you ended up with uh jet lee donnie yen yeah i would have put i would have put uh, tony lung in that in that uh, group too and a part of me wonders uh whether disney had some consultant on hand to give them ideas on who to cast because of course they would need to try and get the mainland Chinese money for this film. So maybe they would say, Hey, maybe you should consider this person or maybe you should consider this actor to Probably a fair point to appease, not to appease mainland China, but to really draw in that audience. Yeah. And, and uh, well, you, you could say that I see. I wonder if you can say that about Michelle Yeoh then. Yeah. Or for even like the Canto Chinese audience oh. too, mm-hmm. right? And of course, the actress who played the sister, but that—that's a little another story altogether. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I want to save a couple words before um, for them, and you know, in some ways, we ha- um, it's it was nice that they uh, with their inclusion with this whole talk about. Asian representation in Hollywood cinema. 
I'm glad uh, I, I'm glad I can bring a we can have this conversation about historic names like those, like names that would have been in the last thirty years, because those were because Michelle Yeoh, Tony Lung, those were names. Those have been names in the last thirty years, especially on the Hong Kong side. So, I know much, much there to talk about. But on that, to- uh, just to transition it, and wait, do do we want to say anything else about uh, about the movie? Because now I'm going to start transitioning away away from our talk about. Go see it, uh, huh? Wait, who is that? Uh, who is that random white actor guy from? Razor Fist? No, Razor Fist is like the like the Bulgarian guy, right? Yeah, he had a Razor no, Fist. I mean, like the the old white guy. But, so, if you mean like the actor, yes, um, I mean with, the actor. The, with the f- amazing Planet of the Apes uh, joke, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. That was Ben Kingsley, Sir yeah, Pen- no. Sir like, Sir Ben Kingsley, and that's another interesting. Like, he's an interesting casting decision and and, and and wonderful considering how that how they worked that in but let's and, not forget you know he could be totally replaced by morris so in in, in iron man 2 um he was uh cast as the mandarin um so that was a a sort of name he chose and they set him up as this mysterious sort of vaguely um you know orientalism style uh you know, broker terrorist guy who was working from the shadows. Um, but then when they caught him, it was like a joke. Um, and he was this British actor guy. Um, and then there was another fake Mandarin, uh, that exploded. Um, so that's why they were saying that Shang-Chi's, uh, father and this one was the true, the true Mandarin. No, because, Um, because they worked it in so that because the real, the real Mandarin, Shang-Chi's father in this case, wasn't impressed and then yeah i was amazing yeah the mcu tie to that then yeah so, yeah there's an there's a there's a further back mcu tie oh mo go ahead oh no i was just i was just gonna say it's 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 um it's funny that he chose the mandarin <laughs> he he chose a a chicken dish as his name <laughs> well, yeah. yeah that whole that whole going back to the dinner scene right yep Amazing! Yeah, they could uh, teach. Uh, they could make uh, the apes uh, seem like they were riding horses. <laughs> I still can't remember head around it. Oh, right. that was a, so you were thinking it was a Planet of the Apes joke? I didn't realize. Yeah, I, I barely watched those films. Mm. Oh. Anyway, so there's. Um, I, I think it's just lastly on this. I think it's kind of interesting that. Um, the main thing that people are praising about this movie are the action scenes and fight scenes, and that's like one thing we didn't really talk a lot about. <laughs> oh yeah, Which, the bus they were scenes. good. They were good. <laughs> they were good. Like that, it was pretty action packed. Worth the watch. I'll say worth the watch. Makes me consider. Makes me want to consider at least a Disney Plus membership to at least rewatch a little bit. I I will say, uh, whenever people listen to this podcast, please go watch it. Watch it multiple times. Watch it as many times as you can. Because that was to... your second watch. It's a I good know that for sure. You watched it on Friday, you, and then you invited us to watch it with you today. It's a Thanks. good movie, guys. No, it was good. It was good. 
It was worth it. it was yeah, worth it. I'm. I'm glad I came out, and I, I was, I kind of like forgot that it came out. So then, that's the other thing. It's, yeah. it's it, it was so quiet. It came out like by my take, rather quietly too. It's just pan- it's just pandemic, guys. It's 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 fucking yeah. shit up. It's just you know fuck COVID, man. And mm-hmm. because I always do. Not always, but I, I try to make the effort to watch these kinds of films when they when I can. So I actually wasn't able to watch Crazy Rich Asians in the theater, even though I had multiple chances to do so. But with Shang Chi, I was like, yeah, let's do this up. No, it's worth. You can watch. You can watch Crazy Rich Asians on CTV throwback now. So oh, basically the remnants of Crackle. Uh, I also wanted to bring up something a little random about the film. Um, towards the end, I actually noticed that uh, 88 Rising provided some, uh, I guess, some support or some guidance for some of the music decisions being made in the film. I, the I was pretty really fascinated cool, to see that. What was that, Mo? The soundtrack was pretty cool. The music in general was pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. A lot of uh, hip hop influences, but pretty cool, man. I'm I'm happy that they got involved, and it proves to show how big they've gotten in the past few years. And as a person who's consumed some of their content, uh, yeah, I'm. It was nice to see them in the credits. <laughs> I don't know what else to add. That's the thing. Okay, but yeah, we we enjoyed it. Good okay, huh? yeah, just give it a watch. Okay, let's talk. Let's go a little bit. Um, not a really a, bol- a quasi bullet segment, but I, I did want to at least try and do a tie in here. Not direct, but. Did anyone, uh, just a quick change of pace, did anyone see the photo, first photos from the live action Cowboy Bebop that came out over the last little bit? Yes. I, I may not have actually. I don't recall. Google it. I'll do it right now. Right. Okay. First, first, maybe it's bad cosplay. But, uh... See, it, it came out this week that John Cho did an interview talking about his anxiety portraying Spike. Right? Oh. So, yeah, he... Like, he know... He... Well, first of all, he also talked a little bit about the injury he suffered that delayed the, a lot of the production. He tore his MCL, uh, his ACL, I believe it was. And while he was recuperating, he he started to he got a better sense of what he gotten himself into, and he respects what's going on. He has some anxiety because he knows it'll be ultimate. He his portrayal will ultimately be compared with the anime version of Spike. He had his answers to the, some of the criticisms because he is 49 years old. Spike is clearly in his 20s. And he said physically, yes, yes, maybe I can't portray him in a physical sense, but he is a very deep character. And that, and what he went through emotionally is hard for to replicate he thought he thought he emotionally he was more ready to t- tackle that though that part of Spike's personality. Mm. 
like the stuff he goes through throughout the uh, series. And he said he couldn't, he wouldn't be able to tackle it if he was spy, if he was in his, if he was much younger. And yeah, he trained himself. So my line was always okay. He's only human in in some of the anxieties he may have uh, and the inevitable criticism because it's inevitable. Let's yeah. face it. Yeah. He, people already have it out for this adaptation. You know where I stand. As, as people always do and wait until it's out, guys. Fuck. And my line is always, well, dude just tore, tore his... Dude tore his MCL for you. ACL. ACL, thank you. With all these initials, MCU, okay. It's okay. I mean, I, I I feel like he's a professional. He's been doing this for long enough to know what he's gotten himself into. Like, I don't think anyone joins a property like this going like, you know. Yeah, and he, and he already had a sense, but he it, it got deeper while he was recuperating. And then, oh, and one last thing he added, we needed Yoko Kano for this. Mm. Because I, the, the this would have no credibility if they if she wasn't involved. He he had he did add that at the end. Uh. Dude tore himself for our entertainment, and the least I'll do is put it in my queue and hit the play button when the time comes in November. I mean, I, I feel like it's gonna do good, you know, view wise. But the internet's gonna be the internet. I mean, we can't stop the internet from being the internet. The anime internet that is actually no, maybe even the mainstream internet because oh, in general, because Cowboy Bebop was so prevalent in the USA that. Like so many people watch that in the USA compared to up in Canada. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the responses go. Uh, I'll be curious. I'm, I'm just really curious. And and where is Ed? <laughs> I don't see Ed in any of these photos. I, I, no, Ed's not depicted yet. So there's still a lot of mystery surrounding Ed. Season two, uh, maybe Fred. Is Ed even going to be depicted? Was Ed set to be depicted? I I'm trying to remember now. Well, the dog. They, the dog's there. Yeah, the mm-hmm. dog's there, and oh, yeah, did and the casting call for Ed mm-hmm. as well. Okay, and and oh, yeah. this, and just on a quick note, uh, aside, and I'll wait. My my train of thought's gone for a second, but I did want also want to talk about Daniela uh, Pineda in her depiction of uh, of Faye. Regarding uh, Ed, like uh, full disclosure, I haven't seen uh, the original Cowboy Bebop, but I do wonder if. Um, Ed's androgyny is part of the reason why they're delaying the depiction because they don't want that to be the story. Mm. Fair point. That's that's a fair point, actually. It's another bullet in the chamber for the internet. Yeah, so if, if they wait till the last minute, people will have the entire show to complain about, uh, and it will dither the... Uh, the individual complaints, especially if the casting is uh, an actual child, um, in which case they'll probably want to do everything they can to shield said child from abuse. That's a good point. That's a good point. My line, okay, the other part was, and some people are, are hammering it saying, well, only anime fans will want to be, cur- will be curious about this and they're going to, they already hate it. And my thinking was, well, they're doing this to try to bring the story to a new audience. And, you know, Netflix has put, has put a, put into a lot into it. So there'll be a lot of promotion into it to reintroduce, to introduce a new, this story to a new generation. But the purpose with all, with any adaptation is to pull in viewers 
no matter what, whether it be somebody who's enjoyed the, uh, the previous versions, the previous, previous works or a, a fresh new audience. So I, I have trouble with that. I have a few issues with the, with some of the general argument there. Daniela Pineda. I, I want to save a word for her because the, there's pictures of her, obviously, as Faye. And people were already disappointed with really? how she looks. Why would, they be, why would they be... What are the complaints? I mean, obviously, there's two major ones, right? <laughs> two major ones. Well, that she doesn't wear, like, thigh <laughs> heights, like, socks? Like, what, what could it be? I, I saw a headline that was something like, uh, anime fans disappointed, Faye not cast by actual anime character or something along those <laughs> lines. <laughs> That's oh, such an Onion article headline as I've ever heard of one. Well, okay. Now do we get serious about it? Yeah. Or, okay. Like, what, are the compla- what are the complaints? She's not that shapely. Really? Uh, I, I, I believe the internet's going to do what the internet does. Yeah, it's one, it's one of those the internet being the internet type things, right? She's not that shapely, really? That's like the complaint? She, she, doesn't, like, she doesn't have Faye's body. Like, how many do? And this, is, this was her response. How many? Sorry, we didn't have anybody with... They couldn't find anybody with that type of waist and that, that type of figure. CGI exists, right, guys? Uh, it's... The thing is, yeah, you see, you've seen girl cosplay in, the exact, in Faye's exact outfits from the anime. And you gotta like, they look nice, but are they functional? I My, I, 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 I I like this Faye outfit actually. I never no. liked Faye's outfit in Cowboy Bebop. In the from the anime? Yeah, it just felt weird. It felt yeah. It just uh, like okay. yeah, she looks sexy, but it just it just feels like weird to me. Like it, it I, I use the word functional. Right, you, you guys, I, you guys are forgetting when Cowboy Bebop was made. It's like the nineties, right? I know, but and, yeah, and even then, I get that too. I get that too. But I just didn't like her outfit in Cowboy Bebop. I, I like, I actually, I like this live action outfit. I liked how it's in the spirit of Faye, and it still has like the same color schematics, like you know the, the yellow <laughs> shirt and like the 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 jacket's a little darker, but that's cool. Like, I like this. People don't complain with the MCU costume redesigns. Um, and I think it's it's a similar type of, of thing when you are trying to portray something, um, you know, in, in a different medium. A lot of times you need to adapt or it will, it might alienate some audiences. Um, I feel that Cowboy Bebop already is... Uh, the anime that is probably number one when people ask uh, what to recommend my friend who doesn't watch anime when what anime should they watch. Um, And to what Mike was saying a little earlier, um, you know, I feel that, you know, if this live action series, if you want to get this story to those last holdouts that wouldn't watch the most non-anime viewer friendly anime in existence, according to the mass anime populace, yeah, you may, you might want to dark, yeah, like you might want to darken up the costumes a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so. interesting how you have more and more fans nowadays where. 
you if you ask them if they've watched Cowboy Bebop, they don't know what it is. <laughs> so this is part of the whole introducing it to another generation. Kind of like what do kind of like Eva when it came onto Netflix. And then and then uh Yoko Takahashi being a little bit more prominent in singing the theme song in recent years. Okay. But as I read that story concerning um, Pineda, there is one one story, one thing that I started to think about, and this was like a year, maybe a couple years ago when it came out. I was thinking the remake of Final Fantasy VII, and more specifically, Tifa. Because you look at what she looked like in the original version of Final Fantasy VII, Pixelated, yes. Yes. Pix- both pixelated, but then the artist renditions afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> you see, and then take a look at, at at her appearance in the remake. And we can even start to say Advent Children, too. Because they had to be a little bit, well, less... Well, they, 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 they had to kind of tighten it up a little bit with her, with her appearance. And people were... People were, at the time, really upset with the renderings of her for Remake. Remember I said, let's be functional? And she ended up, with, she ended up in an outfit that was more functional, I would say. But people were really upset about that. And that's what I look at. And that's the parallel I, I, I draw when I read that story about Daniela Pineda and her depiction of Faye. I, I think of how, she, how uh, I, I compared it with Tifa in a roundabout way. And, and, and full disclosure, I have not lay, uh, really played Final Fantasy VII, the remake yet. I actually didn't know they updated Tifa's outfit. So now I'm looking at the comparisons now. And yeah, it's fine. I, I'm. I'm. Thigh highs are nice to have. The what? Sorry. Thigh highs are nice to have. Mm-hmm. The the spirit's still there. Spirit is still there, like you said earlier when you looked at Faye's outfit. She even has like, the Faye garters going on too. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And whereas uh, Faye does not have garters in this live action adaptation, so far as I can see, just the high, just the high socks. Mm-hmm. Well, not really high socks, but whatever. But yeah, and then you say, and then like the whole Tifa bit, I say that too. So that's a comparison I, I, I kind of drew when I read that article. Okay. So, and it's it, it's weird to watch. It's a little disheartening. I, I'd love to see. I'd love to see a trailer too. Don't don't get me wrong, because. Maybe that's why they're avoiding a lot of trailers, like what you said, uh, Jeff. Because in, in those trailers, probably Ed would probably make, make it make make we see the first depiction of Ed, and maybe we, we're not ready for that. Or maybe the producers are guarded <laughs> about that. So that's a fair no. It's a, it's a fair. It's really an interesting thought, and it's a really an interesting theory. And to the listeners listening out there. However many of you there are, no no joke this time about how many there about what I think the number is. I'd really love to hear that hear that your thoughts on that theory. 
Anyway, I thought I thought we'd start to wind down the the chat with at least acknowledging something anime wise with another Asian American actor. Who? Like, like this is one of those you can't always have it both. Like you have trouble having it both ways. Remember when we did when Ghost the Ghost in the Shell live action happened, and everyone <laughs> accused it of being whitewashed with uh, Scarlett Johansson out of all. People. Oh man, that movie was something. And then, and then now we're talking about Cowboy Bebop, Spike Spiegel. Is he really Asian? That's not an Asian name. He's depicted by an Asian. They could have easily casted somebody else. They could have easily whitewashed the role. See, I always thought Spike was white too, but whatever. But like, I it didn't really matter to me who was casted. Like, this is one of those. Wait, somebody's trying to have it both ways. I, I can use a more crude statement to describe w- what I'm thinking. Please go ahead. I want to hear this crude statement of yours. Okay, uh, people are somebody sucking and blowing at the same time. <laughs> was it a good statement? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Okay. Because, because, because then, then uh, I say that, and then somebody smacks me on the back of the head. Either, a, either somebody in my family or a coworker. Okay. Well, we 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 haven't. We definitely have not heard the last of this style of uh, conversation or this uh, discussion. I did see um, what was it the the first draft of the One Piece. Screenplay. Uh, oh, let's go one. there. Let's go there for a second. Yeah, I, 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 okay. Let's go there for a couple seconds. We talked. We we hinted at the one at one piece uh, scene, possibly uh, scene nearing its end. The author uh, has already hinted he's uh, inv- had a vision about how it'll end. Okay, what do we want to say about the live action one piece? Just quickly. I, I mean, I. Uh, so we're getting this. <laughs> I just I'm waiting for the internet to be the internet. Like right now, there's a script. There's no one's been cast. Once we get people who are cast, then once we get images and stuff, the internet's gonna be the internet, and I want to see that that fiery shit show happen. There was there was a recent mini controversy where there was an interview with Oda saying, uh, "How do you envision the uh, One Piece characters' uh, races um, or nationalities?" And he was like, oh, you know, Luffy, Brazil, uh, you know, uh, Sanji, France, Zoro, Japanese, uh, Usopp, Africa. Um, what? And, and people were like, okay, you're given the, your one character with those kind of lips, uh, the statement of Africa, despite giving countries for all of your other, uh, characters. Oh. Um, you're not, uh, you might have wanted to rethink that, uh, Mr. Oda. Um, but, uh, like on that note, I think it's, it's fascinating when we get, I mean, I I don't want to dismiss that. I think, you know, bad, bad take creator of one piece. Um, but on that note, I think it's, it's fascinating when we get to series that do come from a fictionalized setting. Um, when it comes to casting, like there was a little tiny bit of, of drama with the live action avatar, which I think is mostly unfortunate, uh, lighting and promotional. Uh, snafu on netflix's part but when we have something like one piece where none of these or very few of these characters are explicitly you know parallels to you know our our earth um Mm -hmm. you know what sort of complaints or 
um, you know, the, the, the discussions on um, whitewashing become a little bit uh, murkier. Um, like, even compared to something like Dragon Ball Z, where, yeah, Goku's an alien, but the entire culture of, of Dragon Ball is very steeped in, in J- Japanese and Asian, uh, you know, culture. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say whitewashing mm-hmm. exists there. But something like One Piece, like a Full Metal Alchemist, like an Attack on Titan, where things are either more androgynous or more ambigu- ambiguous or explicitly European, I think sometimes you get people still complaining about whitewashing just because it's from an anime. Um, yeah. Like, I don't think casting Luffy as white would be necessarily whitewashing. Not as much as Goku and, you know, much less than Spike, who is, I think, supposed to be ethnically Asian. Mm-hmm. It, adaptation complaints are have always been... Well, not to say that it doesn't happen in other mediums and other franchises, but complaining about adaptations always felt like a very anime (laughs) complaint. Like, like anime fandom loves to complain about live-action adaptations. Yeah. Manga fandom, I'm sure, will like to complain about about anime adaptations. They sure sure do. And I'm pretty sure... And we had it with, and of course it's going to happen with uh, Marvel Comics into Marvel movies. And, oh, and I forgot to bring this up. And just, just to go back there one more, just one more time as a quick aside. Remember when we were, um, when we were watching the opening credits, like, you know how they show all the studios and stuff, right? All the studio logos. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you didn't. I don't know if you saw that. You weren't there to see it, Kevin. I'm, and I don't know if you remember it, uh, Mo Jeff. I don't know if you saw this, but when they showed the Marvel Studios logo in those opening credits, you know, before you used to see it was flipping through comic books, yeah, through comic pages, and then it faded into the it faded out into the Marvel logo. Yeah, they updated it so that it shows all the act like. Basically, the actors who play who've played the various characters. There's no more comic book sketches. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that before. They've, yeah. they've been doing that. They've been I, doing that, that caught, for a while. Yeah, I, that caught my attention, though. There's that enough. Just, there's enough movies now, right? Like I think yeah. Endgame, yeah. Yeah. Avengers Endgame had that. I believe. So okay. It's been a while. It just it that grabbed my attention because it was the first time I saw that. Oh. And you you know it's. Like there's been this long talk about how now that where the MCU is at this point, how much should it acknowledge the comic book past? Because there's parts of it that's kind of unsavory. Because you know that's just the way comic books are, right? Mm-hmm. So I just found it interesting because I, I saw that image, I saw that in that credit, and I just thought to myself, that was I I thought about that. Reading about that. Anyway. Okay. Sorry, now I broke the thought from <laughs> well, way back uh, on the other, on the, um, I think it was, there. I think it was a good, a good point that like, just, you know, the, it's interesting, the saturation of, of live action adaptations on the Marvel front. Um, with One Piece, I'm actually, I'm more curious to see how they cast them age wise than I am their particular ethnicity. Because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think well, we that, that with Spike. yeah, exactly. Because I think most of the One Piece cast is supposed to be this really awkward, like you are 
like 19 to 21, um, which isn't cast a lot. I've I've found at least recently. Like I think that you either have that age playing teenagers, or you have people in their upper upper 30s um, and mm-hmm. and up. Um, so I think that's this really interesting young adult sweet spot age that hasn't had a lot of uh, play, and I, I feel that they will. I, I'm I'm curious. I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to casting the the characters' ages. It's we'll find out. It's such a, it's and, such and, a and, cartoony and, series. It's going to be weird to see them. <laughs> and it, it, it's worth noting: same people behind the Cowboy Bebop. You know, okay. I would, people. I would love for the live action One Piece to tone down the cartooniness a little bit and then make it like just a little grittier. Be- just because of the nature of what pirates are. I mean, they're not they're not going to if they want to make money, so Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. See, wilder adaptations have happened and I hope it's like speed racer level of like exuberant and and wacky. Like I hope it's like I hope it's I I guess I'm hoping for kind of the opposite. Like I'm hoping that it will make Pirates of the Caribbean seem dark. Like I, <laughs> okay, okay, I think okay. it would be fun if like they make live action One Piece as accurate as possible. There's crazy snail phones there, and keep in mind these are aspects of One Piece that I dislike. I don't like those weird bird snakes that live in the ocean. I hate <laughs> the snail phones. But that's what? what makes One Piece One Piece, and I want those in the live-action universe <laughs> as accurate as possible and as detailed as possible, because it would be a nightmare, exactly like what One Piece would be like if it was real. Oh, man. I, my line, my thinking was, okay, how gritty do you want to make it? And <laughs> I, I think about the live-action Roni Kenshin that way, but then again, we have a historical context there, so yeah. That, yeah. You, that's not a really a good argument to make. Oh, like I, I yeah, because the Kenshin movies, at least from what I can, from the look of it, I've never watched any of them, but the look of Ke- the Kenshin live action movies do make it seem a little grittier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I said, we darker. have a historical context. It's it, it is historical historical fiction in or, many ways. Or I don't know why I always think of the live action Attack on Titan and how like they made the first movie more of a horror film, but I. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind some deviation in how mm-hmm. One Piece is portrayed, just to sp- spice things up. But then again, I'm the type of person. I think Jeff alluded to this like uh, a couple recordings ago. But how like I'm okay. Like for me, I'm okay with adaptations being different and not sticking to the original source material because that's what the original source material is for. Yep, I, and I, I am in that same boat. Um, uh, no pun intended there. Um, so like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a, a darker one piece. I think that would be fascinating. Kind of like how I thought American Death Note was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't, I don't think it turned out great, but I still think it was a fun experiment. Yeah. Um, well, so, we're, and yeah. Mo, do you want to say something? Well, I was just, I was, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, according to the internet, adaptations, um, instantly negate the original, right? I mean, the adaptation <laughs> is not the case where if something is adapted, the original no longer exists. Yeah, you have to burn it legally. <laughs> exactly. Well, once okay. Cowboy Bebop comes out, everyone has to go to the uh, your bonfire and, and burn your original DVDs. 
<laughs> my line my, well, remember you know where i basically where i've stood and i'll repeat it one more time and to use all the travel metaphors one more time i'm waiting for the nascar crash okay hour 35 before we go this evening uh as i said we're this isn't a regular episode we just sort of did a quasi bullets so i guess uh, we should just at least finish it up in a similar fashion and this is the real not the real reason but i but i'm so glad we can do a taping tonight because i do want to go a little bit down the anime community calendar just just a bit since it's been a little while and there are a few things that did catch our attention or okay my attention first of all the and you're okay with it if i talk about this just before we go tonight you're all okay with this of course okay yeah. The Japan Foundation New York, it's ongoing their ongoing series about global pop culture with an academic lean continued. And it continued back a couple days ago on the 31st, on August 31st, when they did their presentation about Godzilla and how it was a pioneer of global pop culture and, and obviously of Japanese pop culture in a global sense. So there was a they did a little Thing about that they did a little panel discussion um bill uh bill Sutsi, who who we've who we talked about before about pop culture in the pandemic he he was in that a couple of other scholars they'll talk at length about it this is the latest in the japan foundation new york's series as, as mentioned before and they said that the next uh installment of that series will be at the end of october they haven't decided the Subject matter yet, we're going to put a link to the YouTube video on in the show notes. So check that out. Now let's get a little closer to home. The Japan Canada Festival, they held an online version of it this year. Of course, we're in pandemic times. We want to give a quick shout out to that. We will put the video of the entire presentation in the links. I think it's on the on the Japan uh, Japan Festival Canada website as well. I think it was a three hour little bit, so worth the check out. It is a we should give a quick shout out to our old, our friend Kaidaj from Anime North, uh, Andrew Kaidaj, who was the host of the uh, online versions of Anime North the last couple years. He is on the organizing committee of the Japan Canada Festival, so. Give it a watch just to show your love back for him. Although I don't know how much of it he was actually involved in this production. But this is it. This is one of his babies. And then finally, going back to a Japan Foundation, but the one close to here. The Japan Foundation Toronto is presenting uh, this, com uh, this coming weekend between September 10th to September 12th a virtual screening of The Night is Short, Walk, Girl, Walk On Girl. And uh, just as a quick aside, you, if you can't wait to watch it, it is available on Hoopla. If you have a library card, you can watch the dubbed version of that, which I did earlier this week. Uh, I, I, it sounds like that the version that will be, that the Japan Foundation Toronto will be showing is the Japanese version with English subtitles. It is an RSVP. It is free, however, but you do have to register. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And I do want to give a quick mention to having watched The Night is Short Walk-On Girl, 
and having watched it, I like, uh, first of all, it's a, it's, it's a thumbs up from me. I will, however, say, and the thumbs up comes with this, with these words. Remember I talked a little bit about Tokyo marble chocolate back, back during the Japan, uh, the JFF plus and how disappointed I was. Yeah. I mean, this, feel, this feels the same way, but this was the feeling I was hoping to have. Right. Yeah, I heard After the film. Watch. I heard the film's very good. I've I've been meaning to watch it for quite a while. Still mm-hmm. so if you're willing to need to. Yeah, and I might rewatch it again for the Japanese, uh, the Japanese version, the Japanese language track. And once again, uh, I I keep an open mind when it comes to dubs. But and the dub overall of this movie was very good. But I am really curious. To see the musical acts because there were musical acts and musical numbers within this movie oh. and they tried to put them into English and to me it felt a little it just didn't work so I'm curious to hear how, how it would have sounded in Japanese now that, that would be my sole motivation for wanting to watch this version so there's uh, there's just something to think about if you should uh, want to give this a watch. And we'll, as I said, we'll put a link to the Japan Foundation Toronto for the uh, for the uh, registration of this next week, uh, this coming weekend, uh, to the listeners now uh, when people hear this. But at any other point in the year, you if you want to watch at least the dub version, it is once again available on Hoopla. If you have a library card, most most public libraries will give you access to the to the Hoopla network. And there's a lot of other good stuff on it that other movies you can watch on it for no extra charge. Um, it's on the library. Really, it, it's charged to the library. And that's probably why uh, using a Hoopla account, you, there's actually limits on how much you can watch on it in a given month. Like a, a Toronto, uh, Toronto Public Library... You can only watch up to eight items on Hoopla a month because I think the, I think the uh, Hoopla ends up charging the library in the process. So there's my re- there's our rec- there's uh, some recommendations. Um, anything else uh, you want to mention on the community calendar that's uh, worth bringing up? Because those are mine. Hmm. Like, or is, does anything uh, grab your attention that uh, is worth me- worth bringing up or? Anything I mentioned that's grabbed your attention for for that matter? I feel like there was this Asian food festival that was going to happen in September, but I don't remember the exact dates. Okay. If that comes, if you remember, uh, send me a link, okay? Let me see if I can find this. Okay. Anything else? Or I think we can call it. Now I've said everything I want to say an hour 42 into this mess. Anyway. I'll tell you what, though. I think uh, I think um, the listeners have had enough of us, so let's uh, end it. And we'll say, well, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you uh, what you heard, and want in on the conversation, as always, you can contact us. Old school email anime roundtable at gmail You can leave a comment there. We are on some of the basic basic uh, social media platforms so 
Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable. Give us a follow there and you'll hear from us as a thank you. If you're on Instagram, in the last little bit, uh, I've decided to give headline Headliner a try. So past episodes and previews, we're going to do, uh, uh, we're going to start using audiograms a little more to mention when a new episode is up. So you can at least uh, hear a preview from, from the episodes we we've done. So uh, give us a follow on Instagram, if only for that. And that might be as much as we have anyway. And, 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 AnimeRoundtable.com, that's the archive with show notes and past episodes. And once again, uh, if you're hearing this on podcasts or listening to it, please give us a review. It's good for uh, our collective egos, or at least my own, to know that you're out there. Uh, a good And a good review, of course, will always help us battle the uh, never-ending beast known as the algorithm. Yeah, so despite what James said last recording, uh, don't listen to him because he may not have our best interest in heart like we thought he did. Oh, for God's sakes. So uh, please please give us your five-star, four-star reviews. That would be appreciated. But mm-hmm. like I've said before, if you, if you really think that we're terrible, uh, please tell us why. Typically, we do shows, or, well, as always, word of mouth is always good. Typically, we do shows once every other week as the pandemic series rolls along. But it's, uh, but as you can see, we're uh, being a little bit more frequent these days. But regardless, wherever you're listening to this, hit the uh, subscribe button so you can have a sense of or hit the subscribe button so you can be uh, notified whenever we drop a new thing into the feed. See, this is what, what it sounds like when I don't have a script on me. <laughs> I'll always come up with the wrong words. Anyway, well, that's that's it. And hopefully we can get uh, some prep work uh, done and we can actually do a real episode 50 uh, next week when James thinks he'll be available. But that's what he said last week, too. <laughs> anyway. You guys have anything else to say? Or do we just say goodnight? We can end off with one quick anime anime game. Oh, yeah. Okay. What is it? Just one. Really quick. Really quick. It's very simple. Boy Ninja befriends a giant rabbit-like creature who is a spirit. Oh, boy. Giant rabbit-like. Boy Ninja. Totoro. There you go. There you go. What was it? (laughs) Or or, our... Naruto Naruto. Oh God! For God's sake, Naruto <laughs> Oh, for God's sakes! Have a good night, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>